Breaking free from the performance, from the prison of performance and success in this series, and we've been talking about transitioning our mindset, our thoughts, from a lot of wrong thinking and wrong places to what God says and what God has for us. So I'm excited to be sharing with you today. Uh, I was thinking about today and about this topic, and it brought me back to when I asked my father-in-law if I could marry his daughter. I asked him for the blessing. How many men have done this, had this talk where you asked for the blessing? I saw some dudes raise their hand while rolling their eyes. That's impressive. Um, but I remember when I did it, and my wife and I, we had this kind of like fast and furious relationship. We knew each other in college, but we never dated. Got reconnected a few years later. Started talking on the phone. She came out to visit me for the first time. Four days later, I'm like, I love you. When are we getting married? And she's like, as soon as possible. I'm like, yes, let's do this. And so I realized that I was going to have to meet her dad on a Friday and ask him on a Sunday, because I was flying to see him. They lived in Illinois. I was living on the East Coast at the time. Two days later, ask him if I could marry his daughter. So, I mean, it was intense. And I knew I was going to have to set it up right so I could get his blessing. And so I sent him a letter ahead of time, a handwritten letter. You guys remember those? Like you pen and paper and you write, and then you put a stamp on it. I sent that, and I told him about my intentions, about my feelings for his daughter, about uh, what an amazing woman he'd raised, and all these things. And then I signed it, Reverend Caleb Cole, because I just wanted to let him know. Um, I figured that would give me a little leg up maybe. And so I signed it, and so I went out there, hung out for the weekend. Friday got there. On Sunday we had the talk. So I sat him down, I told him, sir, thank you so much, I want to marry your daughter, and he gave me his blessing. And it was a cool moment, in fact, I remember saying, I want to marry her in September, and he was like, September of next year? And I was like, no, of this year, and he's Filipino, so he said, of this year? And I said, yes, of this year. And uh, he's here, actually, they just left, they were in the first service, but they're visiting us right now from Illinois, and so it was an amazing thing. But let me tell you something. He gave me his blessing. His mo my mother-in-law gave me her blessing. And that set our relationship up and our marriage up in a place of peace. And it gave us success early on where we had the support of my parents. We had the support of her parents. And that blessing that I got was something that mattered in the early stages. Now maybe you're in this place and you didn't get that. You started a relationship, didn't have that blessing. Well, I think you all could attest to that it caused some division. It caused some pain. There wasn't as much peace that reigned. And so today, I want to talk to you about the power of blessing and the fact that also we have cursing in us. You and I, even as followers of Christ, have blessing and cursing in us. And I know maybe you're out there going, wait, no, no, cursing, I mean, that's like Harry Potter stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, only witches do that, and they put, like, hexes on people and, and those kind of people. But, no, no, Christians, we, we don't curse. We can't curse people. But the Bible says otherwise. So let's read James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, 
you can go there with me. With me, If not, it will be on this screen or giant Bible right behind me. You can follow along there. So here we go. James 3. I'm starting in verse number 6. And it says this. And the tongue, everybody say tongue, is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. You don't have to keep repeating after me. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Listen to this. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Did you see that? We bless and we curse. From the same mouth come, say it, and from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Say, not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that we would today be challenged with our words. God, that we would be a people that bless and do not curse. Lord, that we would release blessing in our lives, our families, our cities, our jobs, everywhere we go. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me today. May these words be your words. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Mother Teresa said this, we have grown so used to each other that some think they are free to say anything to anybody at any time. They expect others to bear with their unkindness. Why not first try to hold your tongue? You know what you can do, but you do not know how much the other can bear. I want that to soak in for a moment because often we pride ourselves on the fact that we love to speak our minds. Some of you in this place, this is you. You're like, oh, I, I'm just blunt. I just keep it real. I keep it 100, okay, people? That's what I do. And you pride yourself on that. Now, there's some aspects of that that are good. There's some aspects of that that are true. And, and I try to pride myself on being a straight shooter, as they say. But at the same time, we have to be thoughtful and patient and think about what are my words releasing in every situation. Because they can either release life or death healing or wounding, blessing or cursing. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Man, I hope this is soaking in because a lot of us, maybe you haven't heard this word in a while. I know you've maybe in this place you've read James chapter 3 before, but maybe it's been a while since you thought about it. And I know for me, I remember uh, I was in college and I had a friend that one day came to me, and I remember being in college, and I prided myself on my sarcasm. We got any sarcastic people in the room? Come on, raise your hand. Be proud of it for a moment. I'm about to, I'm about to get you, though, okay? So we pride ourselves on our sarcasm. We pride ourselves on our quick wit. We pride ourselves on the fact that we can take people apart with our words. And I remember that was me, man, when I was in college, and I, I thought I was hilarious. And we'd be in situations, I'd be around my friends and, and, and people I was hanging out with, and they'd say something, and I'd just cut them down. And everyone would laugh, and I thought we were having a great time. But I remember it was, it was my freshman year of college, and I had a friend, he said, hey, can I talk to you? 
said, sure, man, let's, let's talk. We sat down. And he said, Caleb, you wound people with your words. And he had this, like, serious moment talking with me. And I'm, I'm 18 years old. But I still remember this talk to this day because it was a word that I needed to hear. And he said to me, he said, Caleb, I know that it's funny, and I know that, that people laugh, and I know that you like to be the life of the party. I know you like to have a good time, but it's often at the expense of other people. And I want to ask you if this is who God is asking you and calling you to be. And I still remember this conversation because I walked away that night, and the Lord convicted me through my friend. The Lord convicted me through my friend and spoke something to me that I took so to heart that I began to make changes in my life. Now, am I perfect? No. My wife will tell you. Do I still do these things sometimes? Yes. Sarcasm comes naturally to me. I like to make jokes. I like to mess with people. I'm an oldest brother, so I tease people all the time. But I started realizing that my words have power. And I don't want to be a person that wounds. I want to be a person that heals. I don't want to be a person that curses. I want to be a person that blesses. And I started to make some changes, and I started to think before I spoke. This is groundbreaking for some of you. You're like, what? Think before I speak. No, I like to speak. And then I think. I began to think before I spoke, and I, I watched, and I recognized that my words had weight. My words had power, and some of you are like, people don't care what I think. Yes, they do. Some of this room going, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. I don't have influence. Absolutely, you have influence. I'm not influential. Yes, you have influence in this world, in this culture, in your job, in your family, in your friendships. And I want to tell you right now, you have the ability to carry healing or wounding, blessing or cursing, and God's people should be people of healing. God's people are people of blessing. And I want to challenge you today that you would begin to think about your tongue, about our tongues. We have both of these things in us. John Tyson, who wrote this book, The Burden is Light, that we base this series on, he said this, the more you know someone, the more subtly and cruelly you can curse them. Isn't this so true? That we have even more power over people that we know more personally. How many of you know that the people that have wounded you the most are the people that are the closest to you? The people that have cursed you the greatest are the people that you know the most, that know you the most intimately. We have that ability, which is why we have to think about our words. In James 3.9, this word of curse is the Greek word kataromai. This Greek word kataromai, often translated to curse, it actually refers to causing injury or harm to someone through a statement. You are causing injury or harm to a person simply through your words, simply through a statement. You see, the ancients, they actually believed that these statements, these words, had supernatural power over another person. And so I, I hope that this maybe takes more weight because we hear blessing and cursing. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool, like, whatever. Like, no, no, no. The ancients, they saw the power that these statements had, the power that these words had. This word itself is about causing injury or harm, and some of us don't even recognize the harm we're causing by the words we're saying, and we're not being who God is wanting us to be. 
So what I want to do today is I want to break down ways we are cursed. Because I know some of you are still like uh, a little skeptical right now. You're like, really? Like, I don't think I curse people. You know, like, I don't put hexes on people. Like, are people really being impacted by my words? Yes. Let me talk to you real quick about ways we are cursed. First, we are cursed with words. John Tyson also said in his book, a thoughtless word can become the splinter in the soul that if infected with the lies of the enemy can produce lies, uh, lives of pain and despair. Did you see that? That when we say these words, when we make these flip, flippant statements, they have the ability to actually splinter souls, which then people can buy into and their identity becomes connected to. Your words carry weight. Your words have power. I want you to hear that today. Because some of you don't believe that about yourself, but you need to start believing it because you have a greater impact in the people around you than you even recognize or realize. Second way we are cursed is with lies. You see, there are lies that people tell us that we have bought into. Some of you in this room have bought into lies that people have told you about yourself. Many people allow themselves to be identified or labeled by the curses which have been spoken over them. And these curses aren't even true. These, cur curses, these curses that have been spoken, these words, there's no truth to them. There's no precedence to them, and yet we take them and we begin to believe them. We believe the lies that prevent us from becoming who we are meant to be in Jesus Christ. There's an effect of the curse, and this is what I would say that we don't all often recognize, is that these curses, these lies, often manifest themselves in idolatry. And maybe you've never realize this or recognize this or seen this, but I want you to hear me because what happens is people speak lies over us and those lies, those untrue things that we identify with, they then become an idol in our life where we begin to see that sometimes, we see that lie as who we are and that lie becomes all-consuming in our life. We begin to idolize that lie where we identify only with that wound. Some, and I've talked to people a lot where I'm like, listen, you're still caught up in a victim mentality. You still bought into this lie, and it's become your whole identity. You all know those people that that's all they can talk about is that issue from like 35 years ago. It's all they want to discuss. It's all they want to they want to hash out with you every time you're like talking about the Sacramento Kings, and they're like, you know, 37 years ago, my dad, and you're like, wait, what? He said this about me, and I think that's who I am. It becomes an idol in their life. They've identified so much with it. They've connected their identity so much to this lie. They've idolized it to where it becomes all-consuming and all they focus on. We're cursed with the lies that people put on us, and God wants to set us free from the, from the lies and release the truth into us. Third, is with generational sin or dysfunction. Now this isn't something we talk about a lot in the church, but I think it's something that you've maybe experienced. I believe generational sin or dysfunction is a real thing. I believe that many of you are, are, are actually reaping or living out the generational dysfunction that preceded you. And you're walking that out. And this is a curse that has been passed on to you. Now, is it a curse that you can't break free from? No. 
You have freedom in Jesus Christ. But what happens is we are products of our environment, right? You experience and the, the same dysfunction that was modeled for you by your parents or your family or your aunts and uncles or your cousins or your grandparents, it gets passed on to you. And then you begin to walk out the same lies, the same curse that you saw walked out before you. Now, I believe as Christians, we should be constantly growing. Like, I should be a better parent than my parents were. You know why? Because I learned from them, and then I draw closer to God. I press into the Word of God. I press into my Savior, Jesus, and I take what I learned from them, the good, and I put out the bad, and I begin to change to become more like Him. But what happens is we buy into these curses, this generational sin, this generational dysfunction. And we identify with that and we say, well, that's just who I am. That's just who my family is. That's just what my family does. Instead of saying, no, I don't have to buy into that any longer. I am free in Christ. I'm going to change the narrative. I'm going to change the story in my family. There was dysfunction, but there's going to be health. There was sin, but there's going to be righteousness. There was wrong living, but I'm going to live right. We can break the curse that has been spoken over us, that has been modeled for us, but I want to be real with you and tell you that you are going to constantly be battling against what came before you, against what you saw, against what you experienced growing up. But I want to tell you that we may be cursed by that, but God is a God of blessing that sets us free from that. He wants to release that from you. And then last and fourth way that we are cursed is because we let them. Touch your neighbor and say, don't let them. Touch your other neighbor and say, don't let them. What am I saying today? This scripture... James 3 was for Christians, and it says stop using your words to bless God on one hand, and the next hand you're cursing the people around you. This scripture was for Christians challenging us that we would be people of blessing and not cursing. That's what this scripture was for. But you know, it doesn't say about Christians that when, curse, when curses are released on us, then we just have to, then we become a victim. Then when curses are released on us, then they have power over us. It doesn't say that. What does it say when we see in the Bible talk of curses or enemies? Jesus does it. He talks about, he says, love your enemies. He says, pray for those who persecute you. He says, if they slap you on the cheek, what do you do? You turn to them the other cheek. He says, they want you to go one mile with them. You go a second mile with them. That's what Jesus says to us. But here's what I've seen. Here's what I've seen in the church. Watch this. What I've seen in the church is we give people the authority or power to curse us. We actually give people the authority to release cursing into our lives. Why? Why do we do that? We do that because we have bought into the lie that people have authority or power over us when, when in fact 
We are under Christ, and we are under Christ. We are undercover. They have no power over us. They have no authority over us. Their words cannot impact us. We can walk away and say, no, I'm blessed. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor because I'm free in Christ Jesus and in his name. So I want to tell you, and I want to challenge you. I think it's time for us to stop playing the victim card. That God's people will say, yes, curses have been spoken over me. Yes, there are curses from my past, generational curses, generational sin, generational dysfunction. Yes, there's someone in my life that spoke a curse over me recently, but I will not give them the authority to not just speak that over me, but implant that in me. Because with God, we have a covering. With God, we have protection. With Jesus as our Savior, we are free. So I, I got to tell you right now, because some of us, we keep playing this victim card like so-and-so said this to me. And, and, and my boss, he told me that I'm no good. And let me tell you right now, it's time for us to say no. No longer will I give them the authority. Stop letting them. Touch your neighbor say, don't let them. Touch your other neighbor say, don't let them. Stop giving them the power or the authority to speak cursing over your life. Don't let them. The Bible doesn't say that, yes, when you're cursed, then it, it has great impact on you as a follower of Christ. No. When we walk in the, in the truth and the grace of the Savior that we have, no cursing has power over us. No cursing has authority over us. They slap us, we turn the other cheek. We say, that felt good. Give me another one. Let's keep going. I'm here to bless. The cursings have no power over you and I. So what is blessing? What is blessing? In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word barak is a word blessing. It's, it is to speak the intention of God and to be happy with where you are. That's what blessing meant in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word that's used the most for blessing is the word eulogia, which is to speak larger or well of, or to speak the intention or favor of God on someone else. That's who we are. That we release words, favor. We speak good intention over other people. Dallas Willard said this, blessing is the projection of God into the life of another. Did you see that? The projection of God. God's grace. God's love. God's hope. God's joy onto the life of another person. So how do we bless? Ways to bless. We bless through words. People curse us with words, but we also bless with words. I know that some of you, you're those people, you pride yourselves on your sharp tongue. You pride yourselves on your quick wit. You pride yourselves that you can take people apart, man. At work, nobody challenges me because I, I rough them up. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad woman. They come to me and it's over. It's done. Let me tell you, we are to project God into other people's lives with our words. We are to release good intention or favor onto other people. Christians who call blessing or discipline or correction cursing, I want to tell you something right now that that's not always the case. My friend when I was a freshman in college, I believe changed some of the trajectory of my life by what he said to me, by calling me out, by challenging me. Let me read a verse for you to illustrate this. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
Did you hear that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You see, what I've seen in the church is we call a lot of times discipline or correction or what God needs to speak to us cursing. We go, oh, my, my, my friend, man, he, he cursed me. He, he discouraged me. He spoke a negative word over me. No, my brother, he corrected you. He disciplined you. He told you something you needed to hurt. Did it hurt? Yes. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But it's a wound you needed to have so that you could get that cesspool out so that then you could heal and be better afterwards. God often corrects us, but what we want to do in the church is we say, oh, we, we only say positive things. Only good vibes here. We're in downtown, so we talk a lot about good vibes. I walk into a lot of rooms. People tell me, I really like your vibe. I go, that's the Holy Spirit, my brother. There's no vibe here. That's Jesus. And so I want to tell you right now, I get it. Good vibes. Oh, positive energy. All these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, some of us, we need to be corrected. And today, some of you need to be here because I'm bringing a little word of correction over your words. Because you know that you've been releasing cursing with your words. And God's saying, it's time to stop and to release blessing. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So first, we bless with our words. And that doesn't mean it's all kind and good and joyful and, and everything's perfect. No, sometimes we bless with our words by saying, this is the truth you need to hear. This is the truth that needs to be spoken over. But we do it with grace and we do it with love. If you're doing it out of a wrong spirit, then you're doing it out of cursing. But if you're doing it out of a God heart and a God spirit, then there's a blessing coming through it. Second is we bless through noticing. Did you know that? You can bless people simply by noticing them. There's a story I read. There's a pastor. His name is Bob Goff. And Bob Goff is a well-known, he's an older guy now, man, probably in his uh, 60s or 70s, and he travels and speaks. And uh, amazing writer, speaker, teacher, preacher. But he said as he started to get more famous, he started to get more well-known, uh, people would pick him up at the airports when they would fly him in to speak at events and conferences and church services. And so he started out getting picked up, and he'd usually be a local driver, but then the cars started to get more extravagant. And then the cars started to get more elaborate. And he told the story about how one day he, he got out of the airport, he came out, and there was a guy holding a sign, Bob Goff, driving a limo. And he's like, wow, a limo for me. They're driving me to a, a service in a limo. Okay. So he gets in the back and, and he begins to drive. And I think we've all been guilty of not noticing the people around us. He begins to drive in the back. He's sitting in the back and he, he starts talking to the limo driver. He's asking the limo driver, you know, what do you do? And, and the limo driver is explaining how I, I drive this limo to provide for my family. You know, I, I have a few kids and, and I'm just trying to, to grind and, and to make a living for my family. And Bob Goff asks the limo driver, he says, have you ever ridden in the back of this? And the man says, no, I, I've never ridden in the back of that. I'm not allowed to get in the back of that. I, I can only be in the front seat. So Bob Goff says, pull the car over. Pulls the car over. He gets out. He walks up. He opens the door. He says, today you ride in the back. Give me your hat. You know, he had that limo hat, limo driver hat. So Bob Goff puts the hat on. The man walks around to the back, gets in the back of the limo, 
and he begins to drive him. Drive him. Driving this limo driver. They get to the location where he was speaking, and he lets him out, and they, they exchange pleasantries, and the man says, wow, thank you so much. Thank you for, for what you did. Let me ask you something. If you ask that limo driver the next day what he thought about Christians, what do you think his answer would be? He knew that he was driving a pastor to an event. If you ask that limo driver the next day, like, what do you think about Christians? I'll tell you what he would probably say. He'd say, wow, they, they notice people. They notice individuals. They have a heart for people around them. I believe that's what he would say. There's power in noticing people. I've been guilty. There was a couple weeks ago I was driving. Uh, I took an Uber. Y'all ever take Ubers or Lyfts? And I took an Uber, and it was early in the morning. And I was not in the mood. I, I, I don't wake up till like 9 a.m. Anybody with me? You Okay, okay. So it was like 7 a.m., and I'm in this Uber, and I, I, I wasn't awake. And so I didn't say a word to this Uber driver the whole way. I mean, I'm too tired. I, I don't got time. I'm I just on my phone. And the next day, I read this story about Bob Goff. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you could have released blessings simply by noticing. But you were too tired. You had other things to do. Social media was more important to you. And I, I, I was convicted in this moment because I want to be a person that blesses simply by noticing, that blesses with my words. And third, I want to be a person that blesses through empowerment. We can bless through empowering the people around us. I'm going to close right now. One last story. There's a folk artist, well-known. His name is Drew Holcomb. Maybe some of you folk fans in here, uh, you've heard him before. His band is Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Great name. That's very folky, by the way. They definitely, like, are barefooted a lot and play banjos and stamp their, clap their hands, you know, that kind of thing. And he told the story, Drew Holcomb told the story about how he went to college and his father was, uh, he was an investor and very successful. And Drew went to college and he was studying, he was a couple years into his education, studying to follow in his dad's footsteps of being in finance. But he kept having this pull and dream to do music. He loved to sing and he loved to play the guitar. And So one day finally, a couple years into his education, he drove to meet his dad. And he said, Dad, I'm quitting school. I'm quitting school because I'm going to pursue music. I believe this is what I'm supposed to do, what I'm called to do. I'm passionate about it, and I'm going to do this, whether you like it or not. And his dad said to him, son, are you going to work hard? He said, yes, I'll work hard. He said, let's go. And Drew said, well, where are we going? He said, we're going to the music store. I'm going to buy you the most expensive guitar in this place. So he drove him to the music store and bought him the most expensive guitar. And Drew Holcomb pursued music. And now he's played sold-out stadiums across the country. Had impact. His, his music has been the soundtrack of movies and television shows. That is the power of empowerment. 
the power of blessing. I think about if it was me and it was my son, I'd probably be like, son, like, you know, most musicians don't make it. Son, you know, like, musicians are poor. You know, son, I don't think this is a wise career choice. Let's finish college first. But no, you know what his father said? He said, I saw a passion and a dream and a, and a drive, and I empowered that. And empowered that to success. I want to say to you right now, we can be a blessing in this world by our words, by our noticing, and by how we empower the people around us. That is who God has called us to be. Not individuals of cursing and wounding, but individuals of blessing and healing. Let me tell you something. Every time I get here on a Sunday, I think about a quote I heard from a pastor a long time ago. He said, preacher, give them heaven because every other day of the week, they're getting hell. So I want to tell you right now, this church is a place of heaven. We don't release condemnation and judgment because that's the, not the God that we serve. We serve a God of mercy and, and restoration. A God of healing, not wounding. A God that wants to empower you. A God that believes in you. A God that sees you. A God that blesses you. He is a God of blessing. And he's releasing blessing in this room right now. But the question is for us, are we going to release the same blessing? Are we going to walk out the same blessing when we walk through these doors? When we sit at the table with our family, with our children, when we talk to our wives and our husbands, to our spouses, when we interact with our co-workers, are you going to release blessing or cursing, healing or wounding? Who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? I want to close with this. Jesus, on the cross, he said one last word. This word he spoke is the word to telestai. It's a Greek word. And this word means this. It is finished. Some translations would say paid in full. You see, there is no more curse. There is no more sin. There is no more shame. There is no more lies. There are no more idols. There is no more death. You want to know why? Because the curse has been broken. Jesus went to the cross and exchanged his life for ours. He took the curses that have been spoken over you, the curses that have been released on your life. He took them and said, no more cursing, blessing. No more death, life. The curse is taken the blessing is given and some of you need to embrace and receive the blessing of Jesus Christ in your life today. Would you bow your heads with me across this room?